All right, hello and welcome to Adventures in Lollygagging. We are playing Wondering today. We are continuing our Waking of Angmar campaign. We are back at full strength as, uh, as Steven has rejoined us and uh, Daggett managed to survive without Steven. Uh, so you might say Steven's presence is superfluous, but it's it's not superfluous in my heart. Uh, but uh, we will we will continue today. Uh, we we went for a journey. We got about ninety eh, percent of the way through it, so we had like the last ten percent tail end here to do, uh, and then we will uh, explore uh, this ranger haven a little bit that we're headed to. Uh, so that's where we're at. Uh, little thank you so much, by the way, for the people throwing out bits. Uh, Tolkien purist Griffin uh, Farkadev, thank you so much. You're all so very kind throwing that stuff out. I have complications. Oh my, I'm getting complications. Fantastic. Okay. Uh, I can't think of how I might use them tonight. So let's see. Uh, what was I going to say? We have a small announcement uh, as uh, we, this is going to be the last wondering for a couple weeks as we're going to take the next three weeks off from, uh, from wondering as our good friend Floyd uh, is uh, heading out of, heading out of the country for a bit. Uh, so we're going to have a three week, three week break from wondering. So we'll be back towards the end of June in the interim, we're still going to be playing a game. We're just going to be doing something else. We didn't really want to play an extended period of time without our our noteworthy dwarf, uh, which isn't to say that Daggett is not also noteworthy. Just uh, <laughs> any, if anyone was gone for an extended period, we would be taking a break. Okay, okay, that's just what it is. Uh, but we're going to be playing a different game for three weeks. We're going to be playing some Twilight Imperium, some Embers of the Imperium, uh, sort of space opera, complete opposite end of the spectrum from uh, from Wondering, uh, as that's going to be our break game this year or this time. Last this last time long left us, we played some orbital blues, so we were in space again. So we might as well kind of stick with that. Uh, I am not see a three eyed cat. You say that I am mean to Stephen, but you have no idea how nice I I am often to Stephen, and he just shoves it back in my face and. <laughs> I, it's, Jeff, it's I begged you not to it's play ridiculous. without me last week, so and you said, no <laughs> way wow. we're going through with it. You're not important wow. to the fellowship. The lies I didn't, I didn't say any here. of those things, thought all of those things, but didn't say no. any of those things. I said it's cool to play without me. I did. I mean, to be fair, I didn't actually ask you because I was going to do it no matter what. You did ask me. I you DM me saying, is it okay? Yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. So... Anyhow. You just don't want to seem too nice. I don't. Well, every time I'm nice to you, you just, again, you shove it back in my face. And so it's now true. I have to be, I'm just performatively mean towards Steven. I'm really not actually mean towards Steven. Uh, and it's the opposite of everyone else. I'm nice to them, but in real, I really dislike every one of them. So that's how it works. <laughs> uh, but before, before we get into the session, why don't we go ahead, introduce everyone for really quickly, hop into a summary, and then we'll start up. So, uh, we'll start up with Floy uh, Long. Tell us about Floy. I'm a prosperous dwarf, pretty hardy, proud and wary. Some of my flaws I'm grasping, a little bit mistrustful. And yeah, pretty strong. Very nice. I am being terribly see what see what's happening, Steven, in the chat. Three Eyed Cat is is calling me a bully. Me. Me. Okay. All right. Okay. You right. just got to get better publicity. Like I am I do. ridiculously offended right now and going to play uh, this entire session and with that offense. Uh, next up, uh, <laughs> Melissa knows. Melissa knows it right now. I'm seething. Uh, uh, next up, we've got uh, Ashley. Ashley, tell us Boy. about Gilly. Boy. I'm just kidding. Boy. That's not her voice. <laughs> uh, I'm playing Gilly <laughs> Kettlegrass. She is our free hobbit. 
and yeah, she's very excited to check up on these rangers that we interacted with uh, previously and uh, see if she can learn anything new from them. Add, add some more knowledge to her personal library that is quickly growing. So fantastic uh and that there might be opportunities for such things i have a uh, closed down chat so i will now no longer be in the chat for the day uh so i will no longer see your comments for all of you who are being nice uh, uh and, and stuff uh thank you thank you for watching uh if any of you throw up this hopefully melissa or somebody else will remind me so i can thank you but that's it i'm out i'm out of chat uh next up melissa melissa tell us about a yes i think to bring you up to speed i actually think you have three sets of bits that came your way earlier Ooh. in the uh, the chat process. Um, Arineal is our one of two rangers of the group. Uh, she is the uh, champion ranger of the group. Um, she has not spent a whole lot of time around other rangers in this campaign. We had a few rangers that kind of we ran into a little bit earlier and we... Uh, didn't necessarily do the best that we could have by them. And so uh, she's a little bit uh, anxious about kind of coming into kind of a larger group of rangers here uh, shortly. Um, but she is glad that she has had um, the expansion of the fellowship with Kara recently. Excellent. 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 Uh, Steven, tell us a little about Daggett. Hey, Daggett is just the most lovable, friendly um, cause of the death of the party that there ever could be. Um, Radagasta told me some things. I gotta be introspective now, so I've probably been quiet for a little bit. Uh, but I am a older dwarf and a captain, which kind of makes me the de facto leader, but I try not to throw my weight around. Excellent. And finally, we've got Tara Neth. Uh, Maitre, tell us about Tara. Hello, I'm Maitre playing uh, Tara Neth, who was also a ranger. Uh, she is a warden. And um, like Reniel, hasn't spent a lot of time with other rangers, but has spent a lot of time just with people. Uh, so she's excited to go back and, and kind of see what she hopes will be a reinforcing of uh, her core beliefs and will not be challenged at all, I'm sure. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Uh, and yeah, there are, as we were talking like a little bit about before we got on the stream, uh, there will be people here, some of which, uh, some of who you, you will know, some of them you know by reputation, some of you might know, you know, by face or have actually had interactions with. So, and we'll kind of play that by ear as, as, uh, as you see fit and as I see fit, uh, as we kind of, kind of move on. Uh, all right. So with that, let's dive into summary time. So, uh, last time around, uh, last session, you guys had a hearty breakfast and a few final goodbyes. And then you finally left, uh, left Tharbad and you started heading for a, a hidden secret ranger haven in the Angle, uh, which is southwest of Rivendell, but northeast of where Tharbad, uh, uh, Tharbad resides. Uh, you followed the Grey Flood River for a while, for most of it. Uh, you passed by the site where you had your battle with the Nazgul. Uh, at one point, while hunting for food, Floy came across a very serene pond surrounded by colorful flowers, uh, flowers and water that you disrupted uh, while you failed to tackle a deer. Uh, from the water, 
Rose, some kind of spirit, our guardian or something like that, who was seemed to be angered by the disruption that you caused and once more tried to drown you, uh, as this has happened a few times now. Uh, you're able to break free, you're able to escape, and you're able to return to camp. A few days later, as the fellowship continued, uh, you discovered some old cobbled paths and uh, some, some evidence, some lingering evidence of what you think is probably a Cardolan village. And it was hidden within these rolling clay-covered hills. Uh, at night, Gilly and Tara, you watched as the ghosts of uh, these long-dead crafters uh, went, uh, kind of went about their trades. Uh, they just sort of they rose up and just started moving about. Uh, they uh, also, as you were watching, grew sick from plague, uh, and you heard whispers or about the plague as well. And then they died. And at the bottom of a well, Gilly, you climbed down. Tara, I think you gave a hand with some rope. And uh, Gilly, you found a, a modeled helm. Uh, it was emblazoned once you cleared the grime away uh, with the star and the red hill uh, of Cardlin. And you gave it over to Tara as a keepsake. Uh, you followed some of these scattered ruins and these clay hills for several days as you started to start veering northwestward a bit. Uh, Tara, you observed a, a very striking golden tree in the middle of a very serene meadow. And when you crept, crept closer, you noticed there's an old disheveled man in brown furs and tatters, and he was talking with various animals. Uh, and the what you thought was like golden autumnal leaves was in fact not that, uh, but rather this big old flock of birds that just erupted quickly, scattered. Uh, the man was not unfriendly. It was a bit odd, and he seemed to be conversing with foxes and rabbits and birds and all those types of things. Uh, and eventually he did give his name, Radagast, uh, Terra, a name you recognized uh, more formally or, or more well-known as Radagast the Brown, a powerful wizard uh, and a naturalist and sometime a friend to rangers as well. He, uh, as your conversation unfolded, he offered a bit of a uh, bit of advice to every member of the party, a riddle of some, of some such. Uh, and, uh, and uh, that was basically it. The only one that wasn't spoken out loud was Daggett's. Uh, mainly that's because Stephen wasn't here. Uh, but uh, but Daggett has learned his, what he was given. Uh, in the morning, he was gone. No more Radagast. Uh, so you continue to travel northwestward. He decided not to try and risk a river crossing because you had all the ponies with you. And so you decided to head a little bit further northward, uh, find the last bridge. Uh, and you did that. But just about a day prior to getting there in an open field, uh, you found dozens of carvings that seemed to be made in these natural rock outcroppings. And you also found this quaint and very diminutive uh, hobbit hole. But sadly, the occupant and the artist were not there. So you made a note and you moved on. About a day or so later, you crossed the bridge. You veered southward away from the troll shawls to the north. And you aim for a group of hills in the distance where Terra knew that the chieftain's lodge of this ranger haven awaited them. So we're going to pick up. Uh, we're going to say camping as travel in the, in, in, at night is probably a little bit, little bit dangerous. So you travel as far in the direction of that lodge that you think is, uh, is doable with the light that you have. Uh, and then it's at a certain point you camp out. And, you know, however you want to handle like watches and things like that is totally fine. We don't have to, we don't have to get too far into that. Um, however, the night, while it's not eventful in the, you're attacked or there's wargs that assault you or, or anything like that, it is a not, it is not a restful night for any of you. 
uh, as all of your dreams uh, are actually haunted by some kind of nightmare. And what I would like the party to do is one at a time, I would like everyone to just narrate what what kind of dream or nightmare does your character have that truly upsets them? Like not embarrassing, stand in front of a crowd, give a give a speech, but something that truly, uh, truly makes them fearful or frightened in some particular way. Uh, just setting up some music really fast. Once I find the proper, uh, the proper track here, uh, and then we'll we'll get into it. So. Let's see. Who does anyone want to go first, or I can just roll randomly here. I can go. All right, go ahead, Daggett. Daggett's nightmare would be that he is fighting alongside the Fellowship, uh, probably against an overwhelming amount of orcs or other evil creatures, and one by one, the Fellowship would be going down, and Daggett would be trying as hard as he can to keep fighting but there just wouldn't be any strength in his arms. Every time he swings his axe, it just doesn't connect or it doesn't uh, do any damage. It just bounces right off and try as he might, he just cannot prevent the death of the fellowship. And throughout the night, I mean, this, you know, you, you, it's, it's obviously hard to tell like when you're dreaming, how much time is passing in the waking world. Right. But this is, you know, from from our perspective, this is likely a dream that you're having sort of on loop as time is passing. You know, you fall, you're, you fall asleep, put your head down on whatever, whatever travel mat or on the ground or however it is that Daggett sleeps. And within moments after your eyes close, the dream hits you and then it hits you again and then it hits you again all throughout the night. You never actually wake up from it, though. Like you're just, it's just this constant loop, this constant repeat over and over and over again. Who, uh, who would like to go next? Again, something that truly frightens you, truly would bother this person to a core. I can, uh, I can go next. Okay. Um, Thanks. Sorry, uh, Gilly, did I cut you off? Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tara actually dreams about uh, seeing something very similar that she's seen happen with Emmanuel in their fight with the Nazgul, where uh, she was sort of mentally kind of taken over and forced to be a servant of the shadow. So Tara dreams about that happening to her, except that instead of it being obvious and able to be uh, handled by her friends because they can see it. She is sort of forced to continue her life completely unaware of the change. And she spends the rest of her years just slaughtering innocence in the name of a master she doesn't even know she's serving. And for, for terrors, it's less a loop the way that Daggett's is and more just this long, plodding epic that keeps continuing and continuing. And he, like it's un- this unending, unlooping, getting worse or just be, almost becoming monotonous in some way about how, how much this just becomes the regular, the regular path of it. And just like Daggett, you don't, like you never wake up 
you just you 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 sleep. Your eyes are you know your eyes are closed, but you're like if we're, we're zooming in at Terra, maybe you're fitful. You know, you and Daggett maybe moving around here and there. We see eyes kind of shifting and moving, and we see maybe uh, maybe kind of rolling back and forth. But never do you come back to consciousness. Uh, who is next? Uh, Gilly has kind of like a Groundhog Day-esque dream where it starts back when we were investigating the attacks when we were back in Coombe when we first kind of started this undertaking. Uh, and she discovers um, the slaughtered goats and stuff. But instead of finding them in the woods, um, we find tracks that actually they are launching an attack upon Bree. And um, she races to get back home to her parents uh, only to find that every time she does so, she's too late. Uh, the ha her house has been pillaged and then it, the dream resets. And instead of investigating, she immediately runs back to back home to try and fight. But that time she's too late and there's Rotag and Rotag has, you know, slaughtered her dad in half and she has to witness it as it happens. The dream resets. She runs back and she's insistent that the fellowship come with her to help, help save her parents. And in doing so, Floyd gets killed in the process. Arineal gets gravely injured. Her parents are, still die. And it just repeats over and over again. And her one place where she feels true safety and happiness at home um, is, is uh, kind of haunted a little bit. Uh, and sh she's quietly crying as she's sleeping yeah and we zoom in from the outside we see the tears kind of starting to pull uh pool a bit on the cheeks and as your head tiffs, you know twists and turns you can see it kind of traveling further down towards your chin um so yours is very much like repetitive but the idea like your conscience you're conscious of each iteration so you're trying to mm -hmm. do something different each time do something different each mm -hmm. time and it just never gets easier never gets better uh floy or renew yeah, I go restless in the night because my paranoia grows as I start thinking that the party is scheming against me. They just want me for my treasures. They're trying to take what I have, my fortunes. So what keeps me up at night, I'm just constantly recounting what I have, making sure it's all there. And this is almost, in some ways, harkens back to earlier portions in the campaign when you were suffering from that curse, that idea, like where you were almost your that shadow path that was kind of pulling at you, pulling at you, the greed, the idea of acquisition of wealth, uh, kind of driving you more than everything else. Um, if we, if we look at Floyd as from the outside, if we're just watching this, you know, third person perspective of it, we see him maybe clutching, like you're clutching some of your treasures, like your, like the coins that might, you might keep at your, your belt or maybe you're in instinctively grabbing some of the treasures that you carry with you or your more valuable artifacts almost hugging them tightly uh, in, in unknown that you know to what's happening inside the dream that your body is sort of manifesting it in the real world and an arineal what what is arineal being being assaulted by tonight in her dreams so for Arineal, she is back um, in Angmar. And so there's that kind of room 
that had all of like the elf like on the wall. So it was like all of kind of like the faces like on the wall. Um like in in that room. And so she kind of her perspective on it is as if she's like in the wall and so like it's just her face kind of coming out of the wall and from that perspective she's like stuck and silent so like she's trying to then you know she sees Talendel and Marimbem and the rest of the group there and so she's kind of trying to warn them call out to them um and you know provide some warning and she's just you know kind of screaming silently can't be heard and just you know watches them similar to you know kind of the other ones where kind of everyone's dying and she's just powerless to do anything about it yeah you see like even in that room that icy room with all of the faces from author and goal like you can see more are added like more faces or familiar faces too are popping up throughout now, while all of you are are sleeping and going through these dreams, and and again, n- none of it's particularly restful. All of you, at, at various points, almost like an afterthought in a scene or in an image, you never quite quite see it in full. It's always kind of out of the corner of an eye or blended in with the background of a scene. Uh, there's there's something else there, like a like a specter or almost just like eyes just kind of floating somewhere. And then whenever you turn to look at it or whenever the action of a, of a, of the nightmare takes you in that direction, it, it once more just moves back almost like having a fleck in your eye. And the more you try to focus on it, the more it just sort of shifts around. But I would say all of you feel that presence. And at once, instantly, all of you at the same time, even if somebody were staying up and you were trying to stagger watches, you all do fall asleep in this manner and you all are sleeping at the same time. But at a certain point, all of you eyes burst open and this, this sudden burst of adrenaline pushes through you and you feel your hearts beating as though they're about to rip from your chest and you just come up super fast heads maybe get a little light and you can see it's it's almost morning you can see the you know to the east over the misty mountains which you're probably closer to now than you've been in this whole campaign Uh, you can see the light coming up from the misty mountains to the east and you can see dawn is is very very near and not only that but it's very cold now it's it's autumn it is uh, I would say not early autumn any longer, somewhere sort of the, towards the middle of autumn. Uh, you can see the leaves are changing and some of the, you know, and some of the, the, those around your camp, some of them have fallen down here and there. You notice that in this sort of strange pattern, like all of the leaves that are falling from the boughs overhead are falling and they're never quite landing on your, you know, on, on your, in your sleeping, you know, your sleeping packs uh, or, or around the camp in any particular way it almost creates this kind of artificial perimeter to it. And you feel extraordinarily cold, despite the fact that there is a fire in the middle of your camp. You can see. But as you as you wake, you look over towards it, and it was very low. Like the embers were extraordinarily low. 
And just watching it now as you're breathing heavy and heavy and trying to get your, your wits about you, you see it right in front of you just grow in height and severity until it becomes a far more reasonable fire and the warmth begins to kick off of it once more. They wouldn't do anything when you first wake. I grip the pommel of my battle axe a bit tighter just from the adrenaline burst. Uh, Renil would like do a head count just checking to make sure that everyone is still there and still accounted for it and safe. Everyone's here. Ponies are safe. No, No one seems to be physically harmed. Sorry, Gilly, go ahead. No, you're good. Gilly comes out of like just ever after having witnessed something horrific happen to a renial, like a like a axe to the leg to the knee or something like that. So when she wakes up, she's immediately like, I don't know if you've ever got like woken up in the middle of the night and you like rush out of bed. She stumbles over herself. She kind of lands at Renial's feet uh, and she's just like checking her knee to make sure that she's fine, kind of without any context. I um yeah gilly what uh, oh you're you're it was okay it it was just a dream uh uh awful it was i just i, I were you seeing um it was it was terrible we just died we just kept dying and my parents kept dying in none of the knowledge nothing that i learned mattered it didn't, I, it couldn't help. I, I went through and I tried every strategy I could think of. Uh, it, nothing helped every time, every time we died and it just happened over and over and over. And she just kind of like sits down and she'll just kind of flop back kind of near the fire as she tries to like warm up again and just like cover her face with her hands as she tries to just calm down. Gilly, I, w- I was also having just awful awful nightmares. I saw all of you dying. There must be, there's something amiss. And she just sort of checks in with everyone else. All this dying so early in the morning. I'm not dying anytime soon. You are our strongest fighter. I hope that is true. Daggett, Tara, nightmares for you as well? Sitting around talking about it's not going to do us any good. We should pack up since we're all awake. So as you get up and start moving around, breaking your camp, maybe getting food, it's it's at this point one or both, you know, however many of you would say that's probably Gilly keen-eyed. Anybody else who might have the keen-eyed trait, you notice that you that there is a man, uh, probably fifteen feet from you. Uh, he is sitting quietly atop this gnarled root that has exposed itself in front of a tree. His back leaning against the trunk of that tree. He's got his legs kind of extended and crossed in a very comfortable position. He's dressed in uh, in earthy tones. Uh, browns and some greens and some grays. Uh, You can tell that he is, you know, middle-aged of a sort, Uh, probably not quite as, uh, quite as, 
quite as age as Talendale was, but 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 much north in terms of, of years than those of you here. Um, and when you finally notice him, and you can tell, I would say at this point that he's probably seen you and been watching you this whole time and possibly have heard, you know, any kind of conversation that was not a whisper. Uh, he, he looks at you all and he just says, good morning travelers. You are a very curious lot. And then he looks and he sees Tara. And so unrecognizable. I was just going to ask. <laughs> you definitely recognize him. He is a ranger. Uh, it is his name is Vinyatur. And he looks towards you and he says, oh, "Terra, you have returned." Vinyatur, well, it is good to see you. Is and it? and she runs up to him and and gives him that. Oh, sorry, not my kid. Uh, gives him that sort of forearm, hearty, familiar forearm shake. And I would say you notice that he takes it, but he does so warily, like, like almost mistrustfully, like he's, he's eyeing you very curiously at this point. He'll, he'll do it, but, but you know him to be, he's a decent man. Like there's, there's, he's a very decent man. Uh, He, but he, he tends to be, uh, he's not the most, uh, he's the loudest uh, he's not the most boisterous. He's not the, the he's he's a relatively soft-spoken man, but he's 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 usually for those who get to know him, he is friendly. But it it it, it takes a lot to get to know him. He's that kind of guy. But he is he is a little bit reticent, uh, which is curious because you two have gotten on well in the past. Something the matter, friend? I was going to ask you that question. Who are these people you travel with? I, uh, again, like just sort of pushing past all the weirdness and being as familiar as I, I always would, uh, kind of had a show. I was like, come, let me, let me introduce you and, uh, sort of gently walk forward with my hand on, on the back of his shoulder. Like, he'll let you be my in. traveling companions and, uh. I'm so sorry. You'll have to spell the name for me, Jeff, so I can add it to my notes. Yeah, you could just call him Vin. Like that's fine for short. V I. Sorry, once again. Uh, Vin. You can just say Vin for short. Vin. Thank you. Vin Yatur is, is the full name. Thank you. Okay. So he's uh, looking around, and he's like, "This is my friend rolls. Vin. He's uh, a ranger." Mm-hmm. He looks at you all, and and where. The look towards uh, Tara was one of wariness and uncertainty. It is probably doubled in casting his eyes around you all. Uh, two dwarves, a hobbit. Any kind of eyes or any old. Is this, uh, is this the Arineal you've told us so much about? Yes, the, the one who saved orphan and all mm. of them yes he kind of looks at you and at that he softens ever so slightly and he's like well met Irineal. Uh, orphan has spoken very highly of you as has Terra. you are welcome amongst us it's nice to make your acquaintance hmm. you he can kind of, trust all of my companions here we have traveled far and 
I vouch for them all. I must say I'm a bit surprised that any of you have traveled so far in such a lackadaisical manner of keeping camp. And then he whistles. And you see just like five other rangers just starting to step out from the shadows, from behind brush here and there, completely surrounding you. You may be in ranger territory, but the troll shards less than a day to the north, and there are dangers there to sleep so soundly as if you're an inn within the brie. Seems foolish. Unfortunately, it is quite the darkness of our dreams that affects our slumber. We never intend to leave ourselves at risk. Hmm. It's very peculiar. Been here for most of the evening. You all and know. Would have seen us take watch. He saw you. He saw you take watch, but immediately returned to your beds and sleep, as if a quick glance is enough. And then, fitful, was your rest. And the fire. I was very... Hmm. Which one of you set to making it? He's being very cagey. Very kind of strange. Like just jumping from topic to topic. It was me. I made the fire. Did you lose any powders or postuses of any kind? And uh, Tara puts a hand up to to stop Gilly from saying whatever it is. She didn't Tara didn't make the fire. It doesn't. She's just trying to figure out where this is going. Uh, and so she will kind of gesture slightly for for Gilly to to not say anything. Um. Uh. No, I did not use anything unusual. What did you see? For the better part of the past two hours, we saw it change from autumnal yellow to one sickened by green. The embers grow cold almost instantly. And then, as, as you woke, returned to normal. As Avernial said, we were beset by dark dreams and... I hope you will trust that with two rangers here, we know the value of a watch. And if it was not kept, it was not with intention. Of course, I meant no offense, just I take no offense. I, I simply am taken aback by what has happened because it is unexpected. It is good that you saw what happened because we would not have known. Was there anything else that caused that that, that caught your eye? That is all. You slept very soundly. You were able to step into your camp without any one of you waking. 
Perhaps it was a long journey. You were tired and could not wait an extra day. And he kind of just no, shakes I his head. I assure you that is untrue. Hmm. Well, if we slept, it was not uh, the sleep of the tired. So, all of you go ahead and roll a wisdom test. So, uh, so if you recall, for wisdom, you look at your character sheet. Uh, should be upper right, Tara. That's the number of d6s you roll, whatever your score is for wisdom, and then add that to a d12. Failed by one. My uh, new volley dice let me down. I didn't roll anything higher than a two. Yeah. Uh, I passed with a 24. Okay. Passed as well. All right. Uh, 17, which... And one six. So uh, for Tara, seventeen is let's see. I'll Wisdom fail. is is yeah. You need an eighteen. Your target number is eighteen. So okay. Floyd, Daggett, and Tara take one shadow point. Okay. Gilly, or Vanille, you two are okay. All well, of you. Let's go ahead, go ahead, Gilly. While they're talking, can I look around to see if I notice like crows? Sure, uh, you can you can make an awareness test, and everyone uh, a fatigue as well. Okay. Unless you have a specific thing that doesn't let you take fatigue. Great success, Jeff. You look around. You're specifically looking for birds. You're looking for uh, for anything that suggests something out of the ordinary. You see a mm-hmm. scattering here and there, but you don't see crows necessarily. But you see birds. You see wildlife. But nothing, no, nothing like what we saw when we fought the Nazgul. Nothing at all. Uh, you do see uh, it was a regular success or great success, extraordinary. Great success. Uh, you do see some very light tracks uh, in the camp and around the camp. But as you look at the the footwear of, of uh, Vinutur and some of the other rangers that are now around you, that's who you would suggest accounts for those, those steps okay. that doesn't look anything at, but you do see them it's very very hard to see but as you focus uh, it's definitely them uh the other thing kind of speak up oh sorry go ahead well the other thing i was going to give gilly is you do notice that the wood that you put in the fire mm-hmm. has barely barely burnt it's almost as if like when you're looking at it now it's just beginning to start to blacken as if it it, it oh. doesn't look like the type of firewood that has sat overnight Okay. Uh, go ahead, Arunio. Uh, so I, I must ask, was there a concern that you all had? Are we, we are appreciative, of course, that you uh, kept an eye while we uh, slumbered and ensured our safety. We are appreciative of that uh, for sure i was curious if you were wary of a danger and that might have led you in our direction Renio, we are always wary of danger let's not live within a secret haven and not be wary of it 
My concern is perhaps you have brought something to our doorsteps. But that is not for me to decide, and nor do I need to decide right this moment. You're welcome amongst us. Dwarves? Where hail you from? Blue Mountains. Same. Welcome. You are ways from home, but you are welcome here if you travel with Terraneth. And you, little hobbit, it's not often we see your kind. It's true, uh, but I hail from Bree. Ah. Well, I have good news for you, as uh, my dear friend Halbrad has, has recently joined us for future council. He is, uh, is well-versed in your people. Perhaps the two of you will have great, great things to talk of. But for now, daylight is upon us. Travel is, well, will not be difficult. Erisil, I'm sure, will be, be curious at the arrival of new folk. And she has I business to discuss to with ask. you, Tara. Uh, I'm sorry, I spoke over you, Jeff. Uh, and he just says that she has, uh, Erisil, and uh, he says, and she has business that she would like, I am sure, to discuss with you, Tara. And you, Renil. I and and Tara's face gets like a little sour <laughs> at, at that uh, and is it the same business that she has been speaking of for the last few years. And you can see like he his mouth thins out a little bit. Uh, it doesn't it's not a grimace, not a smile, just sort of thins. What else would it be? Yeah, she her her expression matches his. And so at that point, he uh, you know he uh, motions for you all, and he says, "We will wait you when you are ready. If you wish to break your fast, do so. We will lead you there home. There are places here that not all of you should lay your eyes upon. So if you would be so kind." to follow closely when you are ready. We're going to start on clearing camp. Our preparations. Okay. Uh, all right. So Thank you anyone... for your uh, watchful eye. All right. Is anyone doing anything else in particular? Uh, on the way, walking up, Tara would like to share the stuff better herself. <laughs> and what made her so visibly... Um, so she'll say to the fellowship, uh, I'm, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Aracel, but, uh, she is a kinswoman to our chieftain's grandfather, Aragorn's grandfather. And she believes that rangers should... Make a home further south by being sellswords and mercenaries. And although she would never openly defy Aragorn or any of his tenets, she has been gaining a retinue of rangers who believe the same. I 
do not believe that uh, that we are sell towards but that is what she wants us to be and perhaps that is something we will eventually be once we defeat the shadow but we are nowhere near defeating the shadow so why should we abandon and then uh, then Tara kind of going to do a bit of a bit of a rant about uh, of why she doesn't think it's a good idea but uh, it's it's pretty clear that this has this is not something new and it it really is something that bothers the hell out of her. Well, I this is why Tara, you are more inclined to spend time around groups of individuals that have to uh sometimes pay the price for having opinions that differ from those in uh, leadership positions. And this has always been our chief disagreement. I have missed you. So uh, travel is uh, at this point very smooth very easy uh you have no real issues like there's definitely some hills forests uh it's uh you could probably tell that it'd be very easy to get lost in a place such as this uh, there are very steep hills at times uh periodically those of you with uh, with a good eye might even notice cloaked amongst some of the wooded hills the especially the shadowed ones uh, you actually see almost a a home and it built in such a way as to, to sort of avoid notice. But only if you're really straining and looking do you see these. Um, you don't see roads or paths or anything like that. Nothing to denote that there is a settlement or anything here. It just seems more like scattered, you know, scattered places uh, where, where people might be staying. Uh, you, you travel for the better part of, I would say, five to seven hours in that realm. And by the middle of the afternoon or so, uh, even if you've stopped to, to have, have uh, lunch along the way, you eventually uh, start to, to climb up this this sharp hill uh, to the point where it's very it's not just is it forested, but you can see there's uh, there's all manner of stone and rock that has what you think collapsed from this cleft that you see further up, uh, and it almost looks like you're just trudging up into the side of a cliff at a certain point. Like it doesn't look like you're going anywhere. But when you get within about 150 feet or so uh, as you're of, of where you're headed, you, you notice now, and it's even those of you with keen eyes, there is a home uh, that has been built into the side of this cleft. Uh, it is rustic. Uh, you can tell it has a very much... Uh, in some ways, a cabin-like feel to it. But at the same time, there is a grandeur or lordliness to it. You can see the same stones that you saw at the at the base of, of the hill that you started to climb uh, have been gathered and have been used primarily to, to build the foundation of this place, stacking it up here and there for uh, for some stilts and then for like the lower levels of the of the of the building itself. And it kind of blends almost seamlessly. And then once you get into the upper portions of this uh, of this home, it's it's wood, and in other 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 places, there's still kind of brick that seems to have been 
uh, patterned here and there and everything just blends perfectly but once your eyes you know rest on it it is a gorgeous home a set of uh, a set of stairs this stairs that are kind of offset uh slightly from the the center uh weave up towards a door that is intricately carved uh you can tell that it it bears uh it's 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 not particularly ornate in the sense that it looks um it, it doesn't look kind of um it looks it looks in, in in many ways it looks like a like a door that has been crafted by someone over the course of time and not just done on spec is something that people have maybe returned to from time to time uh but venitor uh, arrives and you can see he reaches down he pushes the door open uh, leads you all inside. You can see that there's wooden beams that are supporting these very, very high ceilings. Gives a very open feel to it. It's not an enormous home, uh, but is spacious in some way. Uh, wooden planks move. They're very long planks, sanded down, planed. Uh, you can see that there is a, a fire uh, on the eastern side as you come in uh, within this stone hearth. Uh, and you can see that surrounding... On some of the walls are tapestries uh, that are uh, adorned with uh, with very fine stitching. Uh, you can tell depicting something. You can tell they're, they're not just there for, for decoration, but almost as if they're chronicling uh, aspects of history, perhaps. You can see there are shelves here and there as well that are displaying books, gilly, uh, scrolls. Uh, you can even see... Uh, as well, there's other various uh, displays, keepsakes, things like that. Uh, in between, there are also these very large windows, one that looks down the slope itself uh, and another that looks eastward, uh, like just to the side of the hearth. And it provides a very tranquil view of the land, but also a very strategic one. As you can tell that by looking out of these, there's no way a person could come and approach this place uh, without being seen. And a lovely home. This is yours, Vinny. He looks towards you and he kind of lets out a sigh. It is, uh, it is home. But yes, I am, I am part of a house and I stay here as well. And I've already made myself in, make myself at home, like sitting on whatever chairs I can find. And you hear a voice, Floyd, coming from above you as you look up and you realize there is like a little balcony for a second floor. And there were these, again, stairs that are offset, almost not visible with the way the wood is, is aligned on the walls. And you hear like a voice clear their throat. And you hear, Vinny, have you become such friends already? And when you all look up, you see there is a woman of, uh, of age, uh, but very dignified, tall, lordly, striking profile as she starts descending. Uh, you can see that her hair is is white and gray here and there, tied extremely tightly back in a braid that seems either tucked underneath uh, like a, a cloak where the, the cowl is sort of around the base of her neck, or it's just worn short. Uh, she looks, she has a fairly stern uh, face, but not necessarily one that looks particularly angry. And it's hard to sort of assess her age as she comes close, but she definitely gives off the air of, of someone of age. Tara, you obviously recognize this as Erisil. Yeah. 
Uh, and Tara stiffens um, immediately upon hearing her voice, like visibly stiff. And uh, just to, like, it's appropriate to think of Tara as over familiar and genial are like the right words to describe her, but she is distinctly giving off like a very darkened cloud, like icy demeanor yeah. energy in this moment. Just so. Quite uncharacteristic. Erisil will start moving past everybody. She'll stop next to you, Tara. She will put a put a hand on the top of your arm, not just below the shoulder. She'll give it a, a very slight squeeze and a small smile. It's good to see you again, Tara. It's or actually no wrong voice. It's good to see you again, Tara. I see you have brought visitors. And then she looks so that at that point she'll walk over towards Floyd, who has just flopped down on this 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 tapestried or this um, upholstered bench by the hearth. Hello, Mister Dwarf. Welcome to my home. It's not often I have been able to host your people. It's been quite some time, in fact. But you are welcome here. You are a friend of my. Oh, my dear friend Terra, then you are welcome in this home. Oh, why, thanks for having me. I am Floy. Floy. Wonderful. I am Erisil. This is my home. These are my people. And she kind of throws her, like, kind of puts her arm and shows you towards, like, you know, Vinutur and some of the others that have been escorting you. And you are welcome here. Please, will you introduce me to the others that travel with you? Yeah, of course. Daggett, get over here. Daggett, son of Snook. Daggett, son of Snook, welcome to my home. Quite a fancy place you have. It is fancy by some standards, but it's, it's, it suits our needs just fine. It is a far cry I would say from by most standards. Hmm. We built it with our hands, with our time, with our blood. And considering where we hail from, it is not as grand as you make it out to be. And she moves and over towards Gilly. Gilly. Just like, yeah. uh, hi, I'm Gilly Cattlegrass from Bree. Pleasure to meet you. She And she holds out a hand. And she takes it. She shakes it. Well, hello, Miss Kettlegrass of Bree. I'm Arisil. Lady of this home, you are welcome to it. It is not often we get to see the small folk here, but I am very eager to hear what stories you bring from the Breelands. Oh, plenty. Uh, I, and she motions to her pack. She's like, I have journals full. Oh, do you now? A scholar amongst us, it seems. Well, you and I will have much to discuss then. Much I indeed. Would- Yes. My library, and she again gestures like she's a, a game show host showing mm-hmm. prizes to various shelves on the wall. My library is at your disposal. Assume that you are very careful with your treatment of them, of course. Oh, of course. Thank you. There are very many objects on these walls that are dear to me. Some that have been passed down by my forebearers. Others that have been given to me by lost friends, I would not like them harmed, so be very careful. Of course. 
Then she settles in front of Arineal. And you must be Arineal. I have heard many a tale. You are the most heroic, most valorous, brave. Well, according to Tara's stories, that is. And I see no reason why they would be inaccurate, would they? Uh, well, and, and Arineal usually doesn't seem particularly uncomfortable, but you see Arineal is sort of kind of brush her cloak a bit and she's um, kind of eyes down a little bit. Uh, Arineal, daughter of Moriel. Good to make your acquaintance. Moriel? Uh, you are Moriel's daughter? Indeed. Well... My dear, I knew your mother quite well. I had no idea she had child. Do you have any siblings? I do. Uh, younger brother, Birinor. Birinor? And, and is he with you? Is, is he about? Uh, no. No, he has uh, not yet begun his travels. Where is your mother? We have not seen her in ages. Uh, no, as, as you know, she uh, enjoys her solitude, and uh, my father, Duanor, as well. They do not... <laughs> Duanor, oh, oh, what a lovely man. Such a lovely man. Wonderful with the bow, if I recall correctly. Yes, yes, I, I do believe he was hoping that that would be my, uh, my choice as well. I have tended towards the sword myself. Aye. I remember when he was younger, he could strike an acorn off a, off a man's head from a hundred paces. Now we would tell him this is a very dangerous uh, task to undertake because a very slight miss could make, well, could make the target, uh, the, the volunteer, you might say, uh, half an inch shorter. But he, proud and, and, and very confident he was, not apparently overconfident, for he never harmed a single soul. But yes, he was, uh, he was a wonderful, wonderful archer. It's, uh, and they are, they are not local. They have found their own place in the world, I presume. Yes, yes, they have. And, and uh, that sort of, the story sort of brings a, a, a smile to her mouth as she says, uh, yes, uh, he did not stop that uh target practice even when I was young, uh, much to uh, my mother's displeasure. Oh yes, but. she was very displeased. Uh, but to be true, uh, the reason he started up such a behavior was I dare say to impress your mother and despite all protestations, I can tell you with certainty that she was impressed. Yes. She always uh, oh, chided him that this was unsafe behavior, but uh, I could tell that she was pleased with his accuracy, both for his skill and for my safety. I long to see her again. We were friends many years ago, and it's been so very long, and there are so few of us left. When you see her, please deliver my greatest regards, and uh, please let them know that although they prefer their solitude, we would very much like to see them again, all of us here, and everyone around the haven. We would very much like their company, if if only for a season. Understood. If I, and, and at that, her face darkens a bit, 
um, it has been quite some time actually since our paths have crossed. There are many dangers in the world that my traveling companions and I have been dealing with and it has not left much time for visits that are not towards this goal. Well, the world is never short of danger and children never sort of excuses, never short of excuses for visiting their parents. But I encourage you to do so. If not for them, then to see your dear brother, I am sure he misses his older sister greatly. I am sure that you are correct. And Arrhenia will just sort of step back a bit and you see she's got sort of this kind of end to her cloak that she's just sort of kind of playing with and just sort of looking at Gilly. His Gilly usually has something uh, upbeat and charming to say to people and she's looking for a little and and Gilly won't rescue. get that until you like pat her maybe on her shoulder accidentally like swinging your arm a little bit and then Gilly will <clears throat> uh well were any of you at uh from Lake Anominas? Oh, not here, but uh, we could uh yes, Orphan, I believe is uh, the head of that house, so to speak. Uh they are here and settled indeed. We have heard stories of of your bravery, apparently, uh, they have told of told us of of Aridium and, and Floyd and, and, and a young hobbit. But now that I recall, I was there not an elf that was part of these stories? Uh, yes, there was. Uh... And and Gilly kind of <laughs> yeah. say no more, Miss Kettlegrass. Yeah. I did not mean to upset you. You are among friends, and sadly, we have all lost people we care about. I still have my scarf from that. I got well, I got bit by the nameless thing. Uh, Floy saved my life. Well, I am very pleased that he did such a thing, and we shall have to share stories and scars. We will have a, a dinner this evening if you are you're willing, I will give you some time to, to freshen up from your travels. We have made rooms available to you here, if that is acceptable to you all. But we have much to discuss. You have returned at a very interesting time, Terranet, and you have brought your friends. You are not the only travelers that have recently returned. Gildrain is here. Our chieftain's mother, Halbrad, as often has been mentioned in well, there's, there's to be a council soon, and I would like to have your ear before it, if that is all right. Yes, we do believe that we have learned things that could be useful to share. I am sure. Well, I will, I will take your time no longer. We'll meet again at sunset. We will have a feast bed. Daggett would be here for. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, you please. Daggett would be 
over by uh, the wall looking at one of the tapestries and just kind of like feeling the edge of it. You said these are generations old? And she looks over and she sees you doing that and, you know, she suppresses a flinch. Yes, that one specifically. It's very, very old indeed. Very careful. Uh, I give it a slight tug. It's in no, very no, good condition please, for its age. Please, Mr. Dwarf, those are irreplaceable. And you see on it, Dagger, that it is a it is a battle scene that it seems to be depicted. The color has faded. Like you could tell at some point this might have been a very um a very bright, very rich blue, but it is now very, very gray and faded and as even as you're playing with it you can see beneath your fingers some of the threads are beginning to pull apart uh, and it it showcases this this very large battle in a very terrifying looking stronghold uh, that seems to be at the centerpiece of it around around it this huge uh this huge you know army has surrounded it and this stronghold itself has these, these terrifying angles that seem violent and sharp. It, it is not, it's not architecture that I would say the dwarves of the blue mountains are particularly familiar with. It almost seems foreign to you in some ways. Quite the striking imagery. Well, you're a historian, my new dwarf friend. Oh, far from it. I barely know how to read. Well, you've picked a very, very interesting tapestry, in fact. Very interesting one indeed. There's no reading that is needed here. This is an artist's depiction. Very... I always appreciated pictures over words. Well, within them, some say there are thousands of words per picture. But here we have very... Final battle, some said, but as history has proven, it is not final at all. This is Baradur, fortress stronghold of the enemy. And she gets kind of grim and dark as she says that, and she sort of trails off and doesn't really say much more than that. Well... Please, I am sure you're a very tired, long journey and all. We shall make you a... We shall make you a, a, a wonderful dinner. But for now, rest, recuperate, and again, my home is your home. Now, I must attend to some duties, uh, but make yourself at home. And you can see she and Vignator and many of the other rangers, they start filing out of this cabin leaving you all to your devices. And what would uh, those devices be? Gilly's going to immediately go to like where her books and stuff are located. And she just kind of like will take her pack off and then immediately settle down with something that looks like the most interesting. Okay. Uh, so there, I mean, is there anything in particular you're looking for? Is there any certain subject matter or styles that you are kind of interested in? Um, that's a good question. 
I think you see you see you see certain tomes of very clear elvish make and elvish language. You see others that seem to present imagery on the inside, heraldry, sigils, and such. You see uh, you see others that almost seem um, like poetry of some kind. You see others that seem very very technical. Uh, so there's lots of different options. I think options. she'd lean something more towards like the elvish stuff, kind of mm-hmm. with a fondness. So you pull from the shelf. Uh, you can tell it is, this is a this is an old tome, but it isn't necessarily uh, it isn't as grand as maybe some of the others. Uh, mm-hmm. Your elf your elvish is probably uh, not. It's not the best, super great, but. Yeah. Your time with Sorindir and and some of the other things that you've seen has probably helps you a bit, and so it gives you time to work through it. But no, this is apparently the song. Like, it, it seems to be a collection, much like a, uh, much like your your tutor back in Coombe. It seems to be someone that has sort of anthologized what appears to be many elvish hymn, elven hymns and lore, songs of the firstborn, things like that. Uh, various beauty and sorrow of the Eldar. Uh, so it's it's like it's like a like a poetry and song collection. Oh, okay, cool. Um, are any familiar, like similar to like what Sorndeer would sing, or when we witnessed those elves on their journey? Uh, in some ways, yeah. Oh, that definitely the 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 procession that you saw when you yeah. were near uh, when you were traveling through the Shire. Uh, yes, you you definitely can can hear some of that, uh, and there is more than one familiar piece in here. Uh, and I would say you're not, this isn't quick reading for you. So this yeah, is, no. this is slow reading, like taking your time, trying to figure out what these words mean, trying to figure out the meaning of these words, sounding them out, playing around. So this is not something that takes like, you know, just flipping through for five, 10 minutes. Like after three hours of study, you've maybe worked your way through two, you know, like yeah. it's that kind of thing. Uh, but no, I mean, there's this, there's familiarity with some of the material in here. Um, you can tell though that it has not, you, you can tell just by the by the the way in which the words are written, and there's a almost a almost a clumsiness to some of the text that is it's the type of complaint that only a person like yourself who has read and gone through many tomes would make. Any lay person would look at this, and this is looks, looks extraordinarily beautiful. But as you've possibly seen other scrolls or texts that have been written by us, you can tell this is likely somebody else. Mm. who has tried to record some of these things, trying to write down from experience. It is not, however, uh, authored in any particular way. You don't see a name associated with it. Okay. What are the rest of you doing as Gilly flops down to do some some easy afternoon poetry reading? Renew. I think... Ernest. Sorry, go ahead. You've returned home, but you seem like in a foreign land. Are you having doubts? I have never lived here, uh, Floyd. My my parents did not believe that rangers should, and she kind of lowers her voice a little bit um, so as not to be overheard, uh, did not believe that rangers were intended to be in civilization. We are raised from birth to be on guard, attentive, and able to care for ourselves out in the elements. I do not doubt that uh, 
my mother knew knew her, uh, but settling here is not something that uh, she would do, even with myself in my travels and once Birinor is old enough to do so. This is a settlement? I thought we are in the woods still. This like is as settled as we can be. The And uh, you, your kind are known for stonework and creating halls of grandeur that survive wars even. And this is not the way of rangers in the way that I have been raised for rangers to be. Well, we've yet to see if it's working for them. And Reniel will sort of look over at Tara because Tara's clearly been here and knows a little more about the goings-on here. Uh, Tara's still sort of um, uncharacteristically quiet. (laughs) And uh, she'll look at Floyd and say, this is not my home. This has never been my home. And, uh, however, and, uh, she has some brightness to her voice when she, it will be, I, I am excited for you all to meet Gilrain. I have only met, I've been in her presence a handful of times and she is formidable. And, uh. It is unusual that she will be here. She typically only comes to see her husband's room. Her husband being Aragorn's father. It's, I do not know if she is here for the council or if she is here simply for a visit. But in either case, I, I hope to seek an audience with her, with all of us. Also, Erinial's uh, correct. The dwarves, they... We, I think the, the, it is... It is, it is something to think about, something to really respect how the roots you find in the earth. And there is a ruined castle here that has its foundations built by the drawers of Moria. Would that be something that you would care to see? And she asked Floyd and Dagon. Something of Dwarven make out here. Of course I'd like to see it. Erthod Kaelin. Is it familiar to you? Uh, you could roll if you would like a... Uh, I would say ill-favored lore test, considering you are from the Blue Mountains as opposed to uh, further east. But you could roll an ill-favored. Maybe you might be able to glean something from it. You could do the same thing, Daggett. Uh, Daggett would only be halfway paying attention because like a true dwarf, he would be looking to raid the larder. And it is not inconsiderable. And you can see that there is definitely food that has been uh, in stock, dried meats, 
you can see that there's everything, everything that you might be able to find within a forest. Uh, it's limited, obviously, in terms of variety, but it's plentiful. There also is someone back here, by the way, as you come into the larder, as you and you can see they're preparing, but they are more than happy to give you I'm some very foods. friendly with them oh, uh, yeah, just acting like I'm supposed to be there and I'm like, just oh. taking plate after plate of food of, uh, oh, back no, and no, forth don't ruin your your appetite for, for dinner this evening Mr. Dalton no no uh, we just need some finger foods as I'm like holding a, a leg of ham or something foods. like that uh, oh yeah that was about that's fine you you can you can take that I have others um do you want me to put a sear on that? I don't think you want to eat that one raw. That could upset you, upset your belly a bit. Do you have another one you could put a sear on? I could try both. I I don't need them for for the face this evening. Uh, uh, right, right. We're we're getting the appetizers right now. Uh, no, no one brought appetizers out, so I'm just I'm carrying them and I'm just walking back and forth. That there is part of the spread, uh, actually. It, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll have the spread out here. Okay, there's some carrots and such. If you want to, ooh, are perhaps. they are they boiled? I don't like raw carrots. Oh, I, I can boil them for you. If Perfect. That's what you like. I'll be back for them in a minute. Very good, sir. So, how'd you do on that uh, that lore test, Floy? Did you sneeze there? And tell you to tell me the name. I failed. Yeah, I, I know. I, I put it together. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, okay. Is anyone else just doing anything? You have some time basically before we move to this dinner, but if you had anything that you wanted to do or talk to each other about, like you have some time to yourselves with some relative Do we privacy. have time for me to take Foy to the ruin? No, that's, that's a couple days hike to the south. Okay. Yeah. My mistake. I, I misunderstood. Yeah. So so basically, the place that you're talking about is Erthad Kilin, as you already mentioned. But it is mm -hmm. uh, it is effectively where the Horwell and the Loudwater rivers intersect, uh, which is to the south of you. Uh, had you tried to do a river crossing uh, when you were traveling and, and kind of through the forest to the west of, uh, of the Horwell, you might have been able to see it. Uh, but you all are. You know, I'm just showing this to the players for, you know, pinging purposes. Uh, so this to the south at the intersection of these rivers is around where it's at. You all are more northward a bit. So that's like a, you know, two or three day hike down to there. Uh, but you also would know that that there are ranger homes, groupings scattered all throughout uh, there are there. You know, like, so you would know that there's different places here and there that you could find. You don't necessarily have to sleep out in the wild. You could potentially impose upon somebody else along the way. So it's not particularly difficult travel for you as you're familiar with this area, uh, but it would be a couple days. I would roam the house pretty much looking at every nook and cranny I can get into. Is there anything you're looking for in particular? Are you looking to steal something? Uh, it's, it's available in my pockets, something. Uh, okay, uh, roll a scan test. Yeah, so scan. And I am favored. I know it, it's one of your best roles, I think, actually. <laughs> As a treasure hunter, you're always scanning around. Oh, I rolled a, a three. 
with some low sixes. So I said, okay, low six, low low D because sixes, the other okay. one was a Sauron, so favored. I got a three. Uh, no, it doesn't. I mean, like, unless you know, you don't see anything hidden. There doesn't seem to be any hidden hidden compartments, hidden closet. Everything seems to be out in the open. There doesn't seem to be anything hidden that you can tell. You don't find any hidden trap doors or or or, or rooms, uh, and everything seems to be open to you. It doesn't seem to be just been hiding anything. Uh, there are other in other rooms. There's more of those, you know, more shelves and things that are displaying. The place has, it, it, like, it, it gives off this air of like a, a, a respect for history, right? A respect for the past. Like a there's, it's not a museum, but there's definitely a, a sense that someone here is collecting and documenting various various moments of history. And at one point, Floyd, even though you failed, I'll give you that you do. One one thing does catch your attention uh, is that you actually on another in a different room uh, on on this one wall you actually see what you believe you, you almost do a double take because you've been there before you have been to Fornost and you can see the city of Fornost and you can see once more very much like the one that Daggett was looking at battle is is trend, you know in the stitching again very fine this one is is in better condition than the one that Daggett was looking at but still older still faded but it again seems to be depicting this this battle uh with from what you've learned from history from some of your travels where the forces of the witch king essentially took over Fornast and doomed Fornost the the former capital uh, so yeah some of my memories of that time return the visions yeah. we saw Floy, mm-hmm. is it important that uh, you do this solo? Or can Tarnath have joined you for at least a part of it? Looking around the house, you mean? Yeah. Oh, you could follow, sure. Cool. So uh, I, if if you kind of share or, you know, there's a general sense that like somebody your value is history and, and uh, that kind of thing, uh, Tara will, will make the observation that I wonder who was doing this because Aerosol does not respect the past the same way that others do. So I wonder if it is doesn't feel like this would be her. She did say it was a shared home. Maybe it was Vinny. That sounds more right. She is keen to get out from the Shadow of Old Games. So I do not see her placing them in positions of reverence like they are here. Well, is that day with a plate of cheese? <laughs> and it is. You see, a plate of several cheeses stacked very high. <laughs> oh, uh, that's oh. a good idea. <laughs> here it goes over. So yeah, all of you start munching if you want, uh, and unless there's something in particular, we can say some time passes. Uh, you, you retreat to some rooms sh- shared here and there, uh, modest relative to what you've been staying in, relative to the bridge in back in Tharbad. Very nice. Everything's well kept here, but it is still a cabin. Like it is still has that feel to it. So, but it, there there definitely is a, a lordly sense to it. This is a person who. 
And then she's not the only one who lives here. Like, so there's others like her kind of house, house guards, house people, et cetera. She is of a line essentially. Uh, but eventually we'll say some time passes, uh, out the windows that you see, uh, to the east, it gets darker. Uh, there are no Western windows, but if you step outside and you look off to the West, the sun is going down and anyone who is either outside or in the room immediately, uh, inside of, uh, of the cabin, the very first room where the hearth is, where the, the sort of upholstered benches were, you see a small group of people walking up the hill. And as they get close, you recognize, obviously, Arasil. You recognize Vignetur. Uh, you recognize some of the other house guards. But there are also two elves that are amongst the group. And not only that, they look identical. She leads. Uh, so everyone kind of comes in. And you can see that Daggett in the area that you were by the larder. There was a lengthy table that has been set up nearby. Periodically, you come back and forth and you see this person who has been giving you food has set up, you know, plates and things and candles and has, has put breads and cheeses, fruits and, and vegetables and things that are, you know, ready for that. And eventually, everyone is called the table and you all sit in various places. It doesn't seem as though anyone is supposed to sit any one particular place, though Arasil does sit at the head uh, of the table itself. Uh, but she, she, uh, after a moment, after like drinks are served, she can see some, some, some wine is being poured or some water, some ale in some cases being poured into goblets and, and mugs and things for everyone around. Uh, she, uh, she kind of taps the side of her, her goblet with the, with a piece of, you know, like a, like a fork or so and stands up. I would like to welcome you all to my, my table, my home, friends, old and new. She says old. She looks over at the elves who you can see are already kind of eating. Like they're not like they, they just sort of, they're, they're, they don't even really look up at her. They just, you know, sort of nod in a, in a gesture and they kind of reach out and they're like, they're like biting into, it looks like a carrot of some kind or a piece of dried bread. Uh, and again, as those of you that are sitting here, they are identical. It's not the case of like mis mistaking two elves that just, they all kind of look the same. No, they literally are unmistakable uh, and they look very much the same. They're both wearing, as you look, um, a sort of a, a bright male, but they have a silver gray cloak that is wrapped around their necks, drooping down behind and kind of sort of covering it. But you can see with the lantern and the candlelight at the table, the male is sort of flickering here and there. Very dark-haired, gray-eyed, as you kind of look into their eyes themselves, are very gray, almost silver. And they are, you know, they're polite and whatever, but relative to other elves that you've encountered, they're just sort of ignoring this, this welcome, this toast, and just you just hear a crunch as one of them kind of cracks a carrot. She doesn't miss a beat, Aracil at all. In fact, she actually smiles. Uh, and then when she says new, she is gesturing to all of you. Uh, for those who uh, do not know one another, um, and she starts with you all. This is Gilliketagras of Bree. Uh, Floyd, Floyd, did you give your father's name, like Floyd, son of such and such? I always forget my father's name. <laughs> I think you said 
said last time it he was wasn't important. son of he was, Oi. He was a very he was a mama's boy. Yeah. Oh, that, that sounds right. Yeah. Oi. Yeah. The Oi uh, family. Floy, son of Oi. Halls of Glad Rock and Blue Mountains. Uh Daggett, son of Snook. Uh Terraneth, of course. Uh and Arineal, I I'd have to check my notes. What's what was your mother's name again? Moriel. Moriel. And Arineal, daughter of Moriel, returned returned to us at least for a short time. And then she turns to the others and she's and she kind of introduces her own people, Vinyator, a couple other of like the house that are that are sort of sitting at the table. And then may I present to you sons, sons of Elrond and Celebrin, Elrohir and Aladdin. And they look up and they sort of wave and they look around and kind of give grins here and there. Um, you, How so well does Tara know them at all? You might have met them once or twice. You're young, right? Tara is, is young. Sure. Yeah, so yeah. while they have come here before, they often sometimes with Gil Rain, sometimes to pay their respects, sometimes just because they're off hunting orcs, they they bear a, a great deal of hatred towards orcs. And so sometimes they just work with rangers and go hunting with rangers. So it's it's possible you might have come into contact with them before, but you might have been very young at the time. And if you're a person, and, and I know you said this a couple of times, that this isn't your home, and if you're not here regularly, it's really just sort no. of coincidence. I would say you probably, if you know them, it's in passing. It's not too deeply. Love it. Thank you. So uh, so they kind of look around, uh, and they're like, pleasure. And the other, and like one of the other ones like, yes, pleasure. Uh, wonderful speech, Erisil. Are we going to eat now, or are we going to continue talking? And again, there is, there is, you're almost surprised, Tara. I would say you might even be surprised to see that because of your your because of the way you're portray, you've been portraying it. And if I'm wrong, please correct me. Is that you take her for this kind of cold or this uh, detached woman, and yet she there is a there is a warmth you can tell between the three of them that despite the brashness of these two at the table, she's okay with it. Like they like they they have they have a, a pass in some way, like some old history or whatever it might be. So I'm I'm not sure that Tara reads her as uh, cold, but yeah. I I do think Tara sees her as um, fundamentally misguided. Okay. Like I I think she Tara thinks of her as being completely wrong, and her methods as being um, gotcha. Not okay. Okay. Uh, so. But um, that fam that familiarity between the three of them does not go unnoticed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sadly, uh, I extended an invite to Gilrain, uh, but she is indisposed currently. Uh, but she has uh, accepted one for tomorrow evening after our council. Uh, so if you, all of you are still here as of tomorrow, I will look forward to introducing you to our, our chieftain's you can say there's a little bit of a hesitation when she says that, dear mother. And Halbarad as well. No, he is not among us this eve. Uh, he will be at the council tomorrow. He has, uh, well, he has taken leave of his post near the Shire. And he has returned here, at least for the winter. Very, very happy to, uh, to hear his stories once more. Gilly, I will make a special introduction to you. Uh, is although you are yourself from Bree, uh, he has a familiarity with the hobbits in a, in a surprising taste for their relief. 
Now, has he tried sweetgrass? Well, sweetgrass. I am sorry, my taste for the leaf is not as uh, diverse as his. Is that a, a flavor? I'll have to or... uh, it's my my father. He uh, sells it. Oh. It is is uh his, it's his own crossbreed. Well, I would imagine Halbrad has in fact tried it at some point. Uh, if it's your father sells it out of breed, then there is a, a very decent chance that our friend has found it. Yeah. Ah, well, I'll have to ask him. Thank you. Of course. Of course. Enjoy, enjoy. I have heard there's a rack of lamb. Is that correct? And you hear, like, the voice of the... Ah, there... Well, there's been a slight alteration to the menu. Uh, there was a desire... There's no more some... lamb? Oh, you ate both, uh, both legs in the rack uh, already, uh, Mr. Daggett. Paul the G's. Uh, you said those were appetizers, what, finger foods. But there, there's, well, to be fair, you said that or merely tried to uh, acquiesce and ensure you didn't disturb your digestion from eating raw meats. Well, that's such a shame. I was looking forward to it for dinner. Well, um, I will say about acquiring um, more. If that's if it's possible. No, uh, no, no. I, I'm a guest here. It's fine. Uh, I appreciate what you have done. Although I did hear that elf crunch on a carrot. I thought you said you were boiling them. Uh, some of them, yes, of course. But uh, uh, Master Elro here, Nettleden, they have a particular diet as well that I try to uh, account for. The boiling oh, okay. and softening of stews is more rusty. That's why you didn't bring the the rack of ribs. No, okay. it's it's because you ate it already. I am so sorry. I apologize. Oh, uh, it, it's fine. Oh, there, there's. I uh, meant no offense. I meant no offense. No offense. There was absolutely no offense taken. Oh, I have. Uh, I have seared uh, several uh, bits of pork, uh, and that will serve uh, for this eve. Do you need uh, any assistance? I I could help. Uh, Oh, 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 well, that would be very kind of you. Thank you, Miss Kittlegrass. Sure. And Gilly pinches Daggett in his side. And then she, as she stands <laughs> up, and then she Take goes. one point of damage. <laughs> <laughs> I turned to Floy. I, I looked for all the pork I could. I, he must have squirreled it away to still have more. You ate an entire lamb. <laughs> slap him on the shoulder. <laughs> I could have eaten well, two. It, it was a group effort. Uh, Arenial had a bite. Yes, one one bite. How many did you have, Daggett? More than uh, one, I believe. More than two. Counting is not my strong suit. I think it was about three. Uh, sure, 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 sure. Uh, well, we're... And she just sort of looks at Tara and just says, oh, we're making such... We're making such an impression here, are we not? This, this is, oh, this is, this is interesting. Her gun out the glass. <laughs> Anything that makes her so like a little uncomfortable, like being like unreasonably happy. <laughs> so as the evening progresses, conversation is had, stories are shared, etc. At a certain point though, Gilly, as you are returning from helping uh, the cook, the chef, uh, 
retrieve various dishes and refreshments. They have set up like an extra chair for you to step up on and be able to place things onto the table. You're leaning down and you're kind of replacing this sort of a, this platter of, of sliced, uh, sliced vegetables in front of the elves. Mm -hmm. All of you at the table feel a slight and sudden vibration and you hear the clinking of things. And Gilly, you feel a firm grasp on your wrist as you're starting to pull back from where you had just set this platter. And when you look up, you see that one of the twins, and you've already probably forgotten which one is which, they are so immensely identical, has grabbed your wrist and is looking at you with a fierceness and says, where did you get that hobbit? Speak true. And you can see that they are staring at the nape of your neck where the pearl of, Celeb of Celebrion, which you heard in their introduction, was their mother, has ever so slightly been untucked from where you keep it. And it is glowing. That faint glow that usually happens when you, when you concentrate and use it. And the other one who didn't grab your, your arm has leapt and, and it, it leapt from their seat mm -hmm. and is just standing over top. And he, whichever one it is, turns towards Aracel. Who is this hobbit? What, 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 what is going on here? Uh, Master Elf, and she'll go on to explain where exactly we found this at. Uh, and, and how much it has assisted us on on our, our travels and endeavors. They they share a look at each other, you know, with the, with each other, and they look back at you. That was our mother's. That was oh. a gift from our father to our mother prior to her capture. And when we retrieved her, she was in such a state. Yorks left her defeated, not just in body, but in heart. And she carried not with her that pearl, gifted to her from our father and you. A hobbit have found it. And you can see, like, you're not sure if they're mad at you. Like, you can see they're they're very intense, though. And they haven't let go of yeah. your wrist. Like they're not. I get a re reminder where we found that again. You uh, found that the same place, that same Rudauer keep where you uh, you did the swimming and almost got drowned by the for the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and it was gotcha. like in a it was in like a, a special little little um, a little box as well. This kind of wooden lacquer box amidst these uh, these other uh, these other items here and there, other treasures. But that was the one that was you know, magical, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and, and Gilly will, will pull it out and she'll, the, the hand that where he's holding my wrist, uh, she'll turn it over gently and, and she'll place it in his hand and be like, just know it's, it just fills me with warmth and hope and, and, and she just kind of goes quiet and she goes, I, I have also one other thing that, we found with it and she'll go to her pack and at the very bottom of her pack she has that beautiful silk that came with it as well and she'll hand that to the other uh other elf and 
at this point, the the hand that was kind of grasping your wrist will will relent as he now, with a pearl in his hand, is just looking at it, marveling, and it is glowing brighter than you have ever seen it glow. It is mm-hmm. it is actually almost drowning out the light of the candle in this room, and the other grabs you know the the the, the piece of uh, the piece of cloth that you hand over, and just almost like water sifting through fingers, just kind of nimbly moves those fingers around, brings it. And you see like this very sad look overtake whichever one this is as he breathes in and he says, I can barely, barely smell her. Was ever found is this was this was found within it has and he doesn't even finish the sentence as he just kind of brings it in very tightly at this point. And you see the two of them just kind of look at each other at this point, each of them holding something in their hands, and they just their eyes just drift off. And they look away from the table almost like looking at the wall. There's really nothing up there. There's a couple of various decorations and things, but they just sort of look off. And you know that cardinally it's in the West that they're just very quietly looking out. Is anyone doing anything at this point? Gilly will kind of reach out her hand when they look off and touch his wrist and be like, could you tell me your happiest memory of your mother? Which one do you uh, do you grab? It was the one who grabbed me. So the one holding the pearl. Okay. Um, he'll look down and surprised at you grabbing him. And everything you've seen of these two thus far, they have been four elves as rude and brash as you have ever seen an elf which isn't to say that they were rude and brash but for elves they are mm-hmm. beyond the pale they 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 seem almost you know, like feral by comparison to some of those that you met while you were in uh, in Forlong but as he turns back holding the pearl in his hands the light of it you can see he looks down at you and he just begins to sing and this very soft very beautiful song of his voice is, I mean, they're, they're elvish voices. They both have, there's a sing-songness to it in general, but his was, again, much like their demeanor. There was a, a rustic or a roughness to it, but that melts away, and you just hear this, this song. You don't know all the words uh, that he's speaking. They're, they're elvish, and you pick out a few phrases here and there, uh, but everyone... At this point, if you have any, uh, if you are missing any hope, by the way, you can restore one as this, this song is quite beautiful. It's not sad necessarily, but it definitely ebbs and flows between sweet and some, and some more, more bitterness here and there, but it ends on a very high and very beautiful note. And when he stops, he, he looks at you, Gilly. And he says, when we were very young, we had children. 
Our mother would sing that to us. We'd walk in the gardens. And she would sing. That is my favorite memory of her, Miss Kettlegrass. It is one I still hold. And Gilly will just fondly pat his hand again and thank you for sharing. He almost, again, seems almost startled by the fact Mm -hmm. that you did that. And the two look at you, they look at the rest and... We beg your pardon for the introduction. We were not for the interruption. We were not prepared. And they almost seem lot like dizzied. And they both slowly and at the exact same time, the only way that twins can do it, lower back into the into their seats. They are pulled a little bit further back from the table at this point, and they each have resting in their laps now an item of their mother's, and they grow very quiet, um, and they look down, and they are, are looking at these uh, these objects, and they're very inward at this point, going through their memories, and only every so often do I look up and look at each other, uh, but they're a little bit more detached from conversation at that point, whereas before, they were telling stories left and right, Orc slaying, mm-hmm. hunting, trolls, this and that, as, 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 as well as a dwarf could tell a story that they were throwing these things out. But now they have gone very quiet at this point. Is anyone doing anything? I'm trying to get their attention. Come, let us drink. The song you sung earlier reminded me of a friend. You elves drink. Uh, yes, and the one with the cloth now holds it. Uh, he, yes, Master Dwarf, we we drink, of course. I didn't think else could. What oh. friend? Uh, I knew him as Sorendir. They look at each other. Sorendir. Soren, dear. Maybe you're familiar with an older name. I forget his older name. Start with an E. Erebon. Erebon. It made an impression. His name is familiar to us, but he is not of Rivendell. Linden, Mirkwood, perhaps? Ah, Linden. A warden of there. Ah, I'm sorry, Master Dwarf. We have not the pleasure of spending time with him, but his name is familiar to us. He's a friend. Why is he not joining us then? And I don't believe he's with us anymore. It's from, we went to Angmar. And uh, we were tasked they, they, by... They almost are shaken for a moment out of that, that strange dizziness that they're in, the mention of that old realm. And I would also say Arasil, like her head just whips towards Gilly as she says, as you say that. But continue, go ahead. 
we were tasked by Lady Ortolos to help her people. They're Lady Ortolos? Yes. Uh, they are losing their memory. Uh, all of them who were previously at Angmar. Uh, it's a great sickness that's plaguing them, and, and we had to, to leave to get reinforcements. The memories? Yes. There's a horrible wall with all of their faces carved in ice and and a seed placed within their mouths. Where is this horrible place you speak? Uh, in, in, and she'll explain further of, of around where we went in Angmar. Um, if there was like a particular name Lady Ortolos gave it that it was called. They, uh, well, you, you know it, Arthringal, like it's the, yeah. Uh, so after you tell that story, their eyes are wide, uh, their eyebrows drawn up into their foreheads. Young Miss Kettlegrass, we have been many a place in this world. We have fought many an enemy, orcs and trolls. We have seen friends, acquaintances fall before. We have never been to such a place as Engmar. You say you took my mother's pearl there. Did it help you? Yes, it did. Arrhenia will speak up at this point and say, I, with no exaggeration, I would not be sitting sharing a table with you today were it not for the strength that that pearl has provided my friend Gilly. It filled me with hope when I felt that there was no more hope left in this world. The twins look at each other at this point, like again, in that sort of creepy way that twins move almost sometimes in in perfect unison, they stare at each other. Yeah. Yeah. And you see a sadness sort of wash over their face for a moment as the one holding the pearl is is like, they're almost communicating and non-verbally. And then the one that's holding the cloth will just nod. Then they turn back to the table and they turn back to Gilly. And Elrolhir, who is the one holding the pearl, will hand it over to you. Then you will keep it. For it seems my mother, or at least a piece of her, was with you, guiding you. You would do us a great honor if you continue to carry it in her name. And the other one leans forward, but if we could, might we keep the cloth? Please. I I thank you. And should I return, I will return the pearl to you as well. Should should you return? We are must you going return to Athringal. You are returning to this place. Yes. They kind of look at each other again. When uh, are you returning to this place? We haven't determined exactly, but I believe after this next winter. Mm-hmm. 
We have much to discuss tomorrow. We must speak with Gilrain. We have made arrangements for travel with her, but should... Should we get some more consideration, we perhaps would like to accompany you. Thank you. Uh, we shall see how the council goes. And you hear like Aerosil kind of uh, like seizes on that. Yes, we shall. And I believe uh, what a, this seems like the perfect moment, I think, to uh, to breach a, uh, a conversation, uh, a topic about that council. Uh, Arineal, Taraneth, I, I will tell you that there has been considerable discussion of late about the future of this haven. Absent our dear chieftain, who is always on other errands, we remain here, scattered. Some, like your mother and father, find purpose elsewhere. Others, like Halbrad, and even you, Terra, have found places with which you have gone to complete tasks and surveys and ranges. But we are but a very small, very pale, very pale, descendant of which we once were. And I know that I have forwarded this position prior, but I will tell you this, that I think there is very little we are accomplishing by staying here, clinging to long-dead kingdoms. They are but stories in history that we line our shelves with, that we remember with stories and poems we read and share. But we will never build their like again. They are history. And I believe our future is better elsewhere. One where we could find noble duty once more. And yes, I know there have been objections. But I can assure you, Tara, I can see it in your face. I have spoken with others here, and there is a not inconsiderable group that agrees with these things, that perhaps we travel southward to Gondor. We settle there. We find some purpose, some service to the ruling steward, Ecthelion II, by all accounts, is a reasonable man, and we will find purpose there. Not only that, but there are many dangers that our talents could be put to, protecting those people, corsairs from Umbar, men of Harad, even Dunlingdons near Isengard. These are plagues the decent people of the Southern Kingdom, and we should no longer defend a dead realm. And so that is what I will be put forward, putting forward tomorrow, before Gilrain, before Halbarad, and for others. And I have significant support, as I have said, 
And I mean in no disrespect to our departed chieftain. But he is off completing errands while many of us here are whiling away in our twilight years. Wishing for purpose, wishing for duty, wishing for honor. And I believe we will not find it here. So I put this forward before the two of you. You do not need to answer me now. You can answer me at the council, and I will respect whatever position you take. But consider it. That is all I ask. I do not need to consider it. We have had this discussion before. You know my position. It has not changed. We do I not do. seek to rebuild old glories, and we do not suffer from lack of purpose. Oh, but I believe we do. And I we have I have spoken with Orathen Arineal. His people tried desperately to resettle Lake Ninuial. And the tragedies that befell them, it is not the first time that such an act has befallen some of our number. And as long as we travel around without infrastructure, without support, we become older each day. And children are not ample in our number. You have seen it firsthand, Erenil. Orphan has listened as well. He an aged man, but he is a very decent one. While I can't say that he has agreed, yet he understands my position, and he is considering it. I will been- listen, and I will consider. I do hope that you will also listen and consider information that we may bring to you that you had previously perhaps been unaware of. I will always listen to a fellow ranger and to their esteemed guests and friends. She kind of looks over to the dwarves, the hobbits and stuff. Very respectful, very dignified. Catherine does on Miss Terror rolling her eyes. Yeah, you can tell there's a little bit of politician in her going on right now. Like there's, it's, it's sort of like half and half. She's half sincere, but half like politicking at the same time. You know? I was just having a bit of a laugh because I think Terra's reaction to uh, Aerosol is daggets to uh, the Gurnout. Oscar. <laughs> I think Aridial kind of seeing this kind of interaction back and forth and feeling like this is the next iteration of a discussion that has been had before. Um, well, just kind of softly just sort of put a hand on kind of Tara's arm and just just sort of nod silently at her. And she accepts her friend's wordless suggestion to not escalate <laughs> with that like Aerosil lets it drop she doesn't push it she just nods she appreciates Arineal that you have agreed to at least listen 
and the night continues. Uh, a very modest dessert is provided, uh, and uh, a pie of some sort, perhaps. Uh, but eventually, dinner ends. You can see that El Rohir and, and his brother have have departed quietly, but they, they spend a moment with you, Gilly, once more before mm -hmm. leaving, thanking you. And th this has thrown them. Like they came into this dinner, like this mm -hmm. brash, like these, like they're, so, uh, you, you know, elves, the the age of elves, like they're older yes. than Sorendir, but they're not that old relative to some, mm -hmm. you know, relative like Lady Ortolos and things like that, or, or Elrond or whatever. Like they're, they're, they're not that old. And there is a brashness to them that is probably not that you've seen elsewhere. And they have been sobered very much so by what has happened. But they leave in good terms with you. And you can see they depart down at night as it, in the darkness down mm -hmm. the hill once more. Vinutor like if she has a, a moment with them at the door before they leave or something, she will kind of like brashly like startle them again with like a brief like kind of like shoulder hug to both of them very quickly. Uh, and she's like, probably more like a sorry. hip hug for yeah, for Gilly, yeah, but, yeah, but like you. she's yeah. got yeah, and uh, and and then she'll step back and oh, sorry, Master Dwarf, I, I overstepped, but thank you again. They don't disagree with you, uh, and uh, they leave. <laughs> uh, everyone else retreats to bedrooms, to rooms. Some of you are sharing, etc. Is anyone doing anything before the night passes? No. Okay. I'm good. All right. So as you all, for the first time since, uh, you know, since Tharbad, uh, rest in a bed, uh, not uncomfortable, but not like plush and beautiful. You all fall asleep. But once more, terrible nightmares plague you. And not only do they plague you, but they get worse. And it's the same nightmare that you had the night before, but somehow some aspect of it has gotten worse. I just want to do a quick round table. How does this nightmare get worse for each of you? So Floyd, yours was this, uh, this kind of re repetition, repetition. So, uh, uh, not repetition. Yours was, uh, the greed, right? Everyone's trying to steal your things. How does it get worse for Floyd this evening? It gets worse where these treasures and gold that he's built up. He doesn't even have that anymore. It's just all trash to him. It doesn't mean anything anymore. So it almost, the very things that you had valued this whole time, they just feel like they're just gone. Like like this, the silver, the platters, the goblets, the gems, they're not there anymore. Yeah. They've like it never away. existed. Okay. Yeah. You had just been a figment. You locked away in whatever, uh, whatever warehouse within the halls of Glad Rock where you store your treasures, you go in and then what you thought were, were coins and jewels and jewelry is something more mundane, scraps of metal and coal and rock. Okay. What about Gilly? So Gilly, yours was this terrible groundhog day of trying to save your family, trying to save your family, and it never working. How does it get even worse this time? It gets worse in the sense of she's aware and she wants to try and make changes to see if she can improve it, but nothing changes. It's always the same. It's such a finite, almost feels like destiny of this is fate. This is what will happen. 
uh, and nothing you think or do will change that. And it's uh, similar things happen as we zoom out and we see Gilly sleeping, tossing, turning, tears, welling, eyes becoming soaking wet. It would probably wake any other person, but for some reason, you do not break your sleep at all. What about a renial? How does it get worse? So the previous night, she had been the only one that was sort of in the face wall. And she was watching her traveling companions as the ones that were, uh, you know, kind of being, kind of fighting these monstrosities and, and, and dying. Um, but it, it has been quite some time since anyone has spoken to her about her family. Um, they are not necessarily front of mind very frequently. And so this night, she and her current traveling companions and former traveling companions are all within the walls and all trying to warn Moriel and Duanor and Birinor as they are the ones this time beset by the shadow and the dangers. And we see as we look at like Arineal where she's resting, there's, there's, there's essentially blankets of some kind that you're there's just horrible shiver like to the point where it almost looks like seizure like how much you're shaking uh, as this dream is unfolding in your mind but in the physical world you are just shivering and shivering and shivering from the cold daggett how does yours grow worse so in my dream we were fighting a horde of orcs and now it's moved to an icy lake and we're all freezing. We aren't equipped for it. And not just that, but the tactics we're using was Daggett's plan. And he's barking out orders to try and rally and regroup. But every order Daggett gives ends up making things worse. He'll tell Gilly to back up. And then she'll retreat into a group of orcs. He'll tell Floyd to like flank. And then uh, orcs come in from behind him. Just everything he says makes it worse. And then Tara, how is yours getting worse? Your, your nightmare from the night before. How is it getting worse this time around? Uh, one, of, one of the things that really terrified Tara was that she didn't even know like she continued her life unaware of this change um, and was unwittingly serving the shadow but I think how it becomes worse tonight is that that changes and nobody else knows but she knows and she becomes some kind of leader of either a house of rangers or several several houses of rangers. And so now not only is she personally serving the shadow, but she is directing others to do so deceptively and knowingly. And that is worse. Yeah, and inside Tara's room, we see a window half closed. We see curtains partially drawn 
a gust of wind comes through and you can see that the curtains fly up with it briefly and then just seem to sort of wait and hover there for a moment and then slowly, far too slowly for gravity, return to where they were. We see a stretch of shadow kind of extend out from the window, down the wall, across the floor, and then just rubber band back out the window. Everyone roll another wisdom test. Nineteen. That will pass this time. Uh, do you have any extra yeah. successes? Do you have like any sixes no. on your d6s? Okay. Oh no, I have a twelve on my d12 though. You have a Gandalf, so that's a success. Yay. Do you have do you have any extra successes? So like a six no. on a d6. Okay, so you're no. still going to end up taking one shadow point for this case. Dope. Which it is a pass. Failed again. Fails two shadow points this time. Oh. Extraordinary. You're good to go, Gilly. Great, great success. success for me. Both of you, great success. You need two successes to not take anything. You got it. So Taraneth and Floy, uh, there's uh, Floy especially, and Taraneth a little bit. It lingers somewhat as you hear a banging on your doors. The windows are open or partially open in your room. In your rooms. Morning has come, and not just dawn, but morning. It's a few hours into the morning. And when you eventually answer the doors, you see their various house guards and such, and that are, we must journey now back to the, the lodge if we are to, to make the council. We are already a few a few hours behind. Uh, Lady Aracel said that we should wait, uh, that your journey has probably sapped your strength, but we do need to go quickly if we are going to make it before the council is concluded. Right. Uh, thanks for waking me. Of course, of course. And the rest of you get similar similar scenes. Does anyone do anything or say anything to each other in the morning before you venture off to this lodge? I'll try okay. to quell my doubts. Like, uh, Daggett, this is, this is silver, right? Silver, yes. Uh, good, yeah. Just making sure. Boy, you forgot what silver is? No, no I, I must have been seeing things. Okay. Reniel will check in with Gilly because Gilly was quite shaken the previous night. Uh, Gilly, I had the same nightmare, but even worse this morning. Did you as well? I did. And and it's very obvious she did. Her eyes are you could tell she's been crying. Uh she's quickly trying to just get dressed and get ready so we can go. Uh I I I don't I don't understand with these nightmares they're terrible. Our exposure to the shadow is Unlike probably anyone else that will be at that council. It's, it's true. Uh, and she just kind of shivers and uh, briefly can hear like the crackling. And it's she shakes her head like she's trying to get rid of the noise. 
uh, and uh, continues to get ready. And suddenly she's all business and she's, I don't want to dwell on it any longer. Tara, how do you fare this morning? Uh, Tara had, uh, while this conversation was happening, had excused herself and left the room and thrown up in a corner. And uh, she comes back and looks like visibly, she's like sweating a little and and looks visibly kind of messed up. um, I had another fitful sleep and it sounds like all of you did as well. It isn't natural. It does not feel natural. And and she kind of, she, and she just kind of quietly shakes her head, and she'll just kind of mumble under her, her breath about the Nazgul, and and how she needs to learn more. Uh, and and she starts to fret again about there's there's so much more she needs to learn uh and just kind of making like mumbling to herself like things that she needs to research and see if she can find information on this is true gilly but don't forget your journals we are off to make an argument and there may be details that you and only you have written down and can share that might sway those whose ears we may have uh, to join our cause. So once you all wake up, ready yourselves, come out to the main room with the hearth, Vinutur has waited for you along with two of the others, and he leads you out. Once more, he's looking at you all, with a little wariness, when he's not being unkind, like he's not, but he is every now and then a sidelong glance here, a stare that lingers a moment longer than it normally would there, but he doesn't say anything. And he leads you, and you're moving at a decent pace. Like you can tell he's going with, with certain quickness. Uh, and Tara, you've probably traveled this before you might have at some point gone into the lodge you know that it's it's ceremonial it's technically where the chieftain would but it's where the chieftain would be it's not really used for that it's used for meetings and whenever such things are necessary and you all are going down and up these these undulating hills covered in forest stones cleft hills here and there and it takes maybe two hours for you to to reach the lodge and and it's hidden much like Lady Arasil's home was up a hill. And you know that when you were first arriving, when you first crossed over the bridge and ventured southward, for a moment the sun was just right as it was going down. You could kind of see it if you knew where to look high above this, this hill, almost higher than you would think any other vantage point in the area. And Vinitor leads you up. And it and then when you get there, it's it's not a palace. Of any kind. It's not nothing grand and great. It is extremely well made, just like Lady Arasil's wood and stone. It's a little little bigger than hers, uh, but not noticeably, not particularly grand in any in any way. There is this unmistakable 
reverence or aura to it as you start to climb the steps and go through these grand double doors. You can see that they're much like Lady Aerosol's home history flanking you along the way. Places that you all might be familiar, sketched or stitched into some of these things hanging on stone and wooden walls. You hear voices echoing down the hall and you are let in. Vinutor does this. Conversation is already unfolded. When the doors open up, no one stops to look at you. Uh, but you can see as you are looking around the room, some familiar faces. You see that there is a, a fairly large circular table around which many people have been gathered. There's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 people in here. You recognize immediately Lady Arasil. You see uh, Elrond's sons, the twins. Uh, they are off to the side, not directly at the table, but rather sitting against the wall on one side of the room. Uh, you notice, I would say, Irineal and Gilly and Floy. You see Orofin, in fact, in far greater health and condition than you last saw him. Much fit, much more fit. Uh, he is wearing a band around his eyes, is, which you would imagine his eyesight has finally fully failed him at this point. But he is still there, standing. Many of many folks are standing. Conversation, not outright argument, but definitely heated conversation is unfolding. There are others as well. Taraneth, you would recognize Gilrain the Fair, tall, slender, uh, beautiful woman, but one that you can tell just by looking at her sorrow. Like you can see in her eyes, like beneath it, there is a, a sadness there. You notice as well a fairly rustic looking man, almost looks unkempt compared to some of the other folks in here. Strangely, you also, I would say, Gilly, your eyes might be drawn to this near where the elves are sitting, not directly next. You can see that there is a hobbit uh, that is sitting there and they have some sort of pad, something in front of them and they're kind of scratching away. But before you're able to kind of do anything, Vinyator ushers you all to a different side of the room. There's seats there and you like sit, 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 sit and just, and like he, he's like kind of motioning to be quiet, be respectful. There will be time, etc. And this conversation is going on and you're listening and it's much the conversation that was broached last night. Like you heard Arasil introduce some of her thoughts last night and you can, you can hear more of it kind of unfold. And you hear that there are folks that seem to agree with her. You hear folks that, that, uh, that certainly disagree. You, you hear people, you know, Men, you know, when they, when she mentions the idea that Gondor, you know, there's 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 tasks that need to be done. There are dangers that need to be faced. She gives you very similar to the speech that she gave you last night, the Corsairs, the men of Harad, all these things. And you see others come back who are like the Rangers have their own defenses, their own guardians, the guards of the Citadel, the Rangers of Athelion, like they have their own people. They don't necessarily need us. You hear that that rustic-looking man speak up. It, we have who will protect the Breelands, who will protect the you know the Shire, and and going back and forth. And Aracel, they will protect themselves. Even Vinyator gets into certain conversations, and constantly the volume is getting higher. No one's outright yelling. There's no insulting that's happened, but it's just louder and louder. And at a certain point, when it looks like the the volume of the room and and, and tempers are about to burst. The door opens into the chamber with 
a, a striking loudness. A, 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 it, it actually, no one stopped to look when you all came in, but it almost opens in a way you, that you hear a creak, you hear the grind of the wood on the stone. You hear almost as if somebody like bangs their head and you see a figure stepping through the door, a tall, old man, dressed in gray robes, a pointy hat, a very long beard, and the room immediately quiets as everyone turns and looks at this, this new person. And he looks around the room and he says, well, I beg your pardon. Seems I have arrived at exactly the right time. And that is where we will end right now. Yay! You, no, just you said we wouldn't end on a cliffhanger. I <laughs> didn't want to drop like someone's going to die cliffhanger for three weeks. I didn't say I wasn't going to drop a cliffhanger. Holy fuck. <laughs> this is a fun cliffhanger where you're like, ah, no one's about Great. to die. I'm having a very to, you know? normal reaction. This is... <laughs> We're getting all the cameos. It's Holy great. Shit. We're nearing the end. Yeah, I figure let's put them out there. Let's put yeah, them out absolutely. there. It's awesome. <laughs> I was not planning the Radagast one. That was a, uh, that was like a, a, I can't remember one of the, one of the roles in the journey thing. Yes. It, it, it had oh been, God. it had been in my that, arsenal for a while. That was incredible. Yeah. That was so good. I really thought that was the apex. <laughs> <laughs> he did mention my mistake. Was it was here. a stop was on good. the way to the apex. <laughs> yeah. Just a little, gosh. It, it's like, it's like a leg of lamb. Before you have dinner, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like poor Dag and Dag keeps wanting <laughs> boiled carrots, and they keep giving him not boiled carrots. <laughs> but there are some heavy hitters here: Elrohir and Eladin, half elf, uh, sons of Elrond and oh, uh, and Celebrion. Uh, you've yeah. got Halbrad, dear friend of, Arag of Aragorn, who uh, who is in the books plays uh, a very important role. That basically all the Cimmerillion is in this room. Uh, Gilrain, <laughs> the this fair was, mother of Aragorn. If this was the scene, uh, Council of Elrond and Fellowship, Daggett would just be the nameless dwarf in the back. That's no one, no one's talking <laughs> just, to. He like, never says anything. <laughs> There's a there's a Hobbit here of of mystery. I am very interested. <gasps> yes, so I am so there's sure. So many people. An arrestic guy. Uh, well, that's that. I will I will I will spoil for you. That's Halbarad. So okay. if you're if you're okay. unfamiliar with Halbarad, he's essentially a friend of a friend of, of Aragorn, uh, and he is he's known to essentially watch the borders of the Shire, and and that's kind of his one of his ranger postings, so to speak, right? So that's the one who was kind of hinted at here and there. But he um, he and the the twins uh, were part of the Grey Company who uh, who kind of went to aid, you know, Aragorn and whatnot. Um, and I think it was Halbarad that in the books gave him the gifts uh, from like Arwen and messages that sent... Aragorn on the Pass of the Dead, but in the movies that was Elrond. They just they just made it Elrond. But in the books, it's I believe it's it's Elbred. So if I'm wrong, someone can correct me in the chat. It's been a while since I've actually spent at least two years since I read through the, the trilogy, but I'm pretty sure that's right. So that's Halbered. So, so cool. Big, yeah. 
So looking forward to that. Uh, so way does send long off. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> wanted a cliffhanger. I just didn't want someone's <laughs> life, you know, on the line. Cruel. That's that's cruel. Like this is like, oh, <laughs> something to be excited when we come back to. We get to have this Absolutely. council freaking Gandalf is here. What the hell? Yes. Yeah. That's so cool. All right. So well, I hope you had fun. Uh, and uh, let's do some closing plugs. Uh, so let's start. Uh, my tray, where can uh, folks find you on the interwebs? Uh, when I'm not losing my shit here, <laughs> I, I uh, sometimes make YouTube videos uh, at multiplayer games. Um, they're system agnostic um, and really center on sort of uh, people's experiences uh, playing and, and running games rather than the games and mechanics and some of sometimes mechanics and games and stuff. Uh, I'm taking a bit of a break from content creation right now, but I have a backlog of about 40 videos that are about 50 minutes apiece if you want to check that out. And thank you. Fantastic. The link is in the chat. And if you're watching this later on YouTube, check the show notes. You can find links to, to my trade stuff where you can find it. Uh, then for us, well, we've got, uh, we've got some games coming up. So our next game is Monday where you can catch Melissa and I playing some, uh, uh, Call of Cthulhu as we are back to our horror on the Orient Express campaign. I'm very excited for that. Uh, and then Tuesday, Steven, we got something big going down. What's going on, man? Yeah, we do. Um, first of all, we're going to have a great TPK. Uh, it's a very dangerous, uh, time of year for everyone. Uh, they're traveling through, uh they're finally sailing in our uh longship game uh and we're going to be give, giving away a book of forbidden lands bitter reach so if you want to play in your own snowy setting uh come hang out with us indeed uh australis is calling you out and probably rightfully so uh you keep talking about this tpk <laughs> ah. I, I, as long as bacho is alive i feel okay if bacho ever goes down I am going to retire Run. Gunk and be like, I oh, know, you know what? Gunk is going to retire. I think it's time for him <laughs> to hang up his mud. Honestly, his mud. Gunk is probably the safest right now because we established that he's a lifeguard and you guys are at sea. Not only that, he can see <laughs> in the dark, he can cast spells to see through mist and fog, and he is yeah. deceptively ripped uh, and uh, and it probably going to be a Baywatch extra at some point. So it's pretty nice. <laughs> All right. But yeah, looking now for that giveaway. Sense. We're going to try to make it as international as possible. Uh, see where we can kind of ship wherever freely shipped because we're going to we're going to take care of it. We're, so we're going to try to open it up to as many places as possible. So I know sometimes we have to limit our giveaways, but this one we're going to try to open it up as best we can. Uh, and then after that, we've got on Friday next week, we return to Conan where we are. <laughs> I mean, speaking of TPK, <laughs> we are traveling <laughs> through a place called the Swamp of the Dead. Uh, extremely tired, extremely worn down. We've, we're, we're carrying, we, we nearly fell into hell as a pagoda yeah. was dipping down mm -hmm. into hell, but we got out of that. But now we have to travel on foot through a place called the Swamp of the Dead. Uh, so it's probably not Don't worry. Well. We got like an ethereal cricket. Aaron is you just, yeah, there's the cricket. You're right. The white, follow the white cricket. There's just, there's just a little too much giddiness in Aaron's voice when he talks about what he has planned for the swamp that makes me a little nervous. Giddiness that I don't think was there for the party because I didn't think he wanted to kill us all on the first adventure. Oh. But now we got one under our belt. It's time to take someone out. <laughs> you know, it's season two. Let's, let's knock someone out. So that's why I think happening there. 
Uh, and then Saturday. So, so here's the, here's the other thing is we're not going away. It's like, we're still going to be playing games for the next three weeks. It's just long is, uh, is going to be out of town as we said at the beginning of this. So we didn't want, and he's going to be out of town for a couple of weeks and we didn't want to continue playing if one person has gone for too long. Uh, so in this case, we're going to play a different game. Uh, and speaking of Aaron, Aaron's going to hop in with us as well. So Aaron's going to hop into long seat and, uh, the rest of us are going to be playing, uh, Twilight Imperium or Embers of the Imperium is a Genesis system by Edge Studios. If you want to come hang out with that, it's the game with the really funky dice, uh, but it's space opera. So we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. Uh, very Mass Effect stylish. If you're if you're not familiar with Twilight Imperium, a little bit like that in some ways. Uh, so come hang out with us there. Uh, we have new games coming down the pike over the next uh, month or so as well. As we're gonna be playing a one shot of Black Sword Hack. We're gonna start up a Fallout uh, campaign pretty soon, and oh yeah, Delta Green's coming back. So uh, that'll be back uh, the third week of June, I want to say, uh, on Friday. Every other Friday, the same place we used to play Blade Runner. So lots of cool stuff uh, that's uh, that's coming up. Uh, but thank you to everyone who hung out tonight. Thank you to those of you who threw some bits. Uh, thank you players so much for playing and for uh, indulging me with your uh, descriptions of your nightmares. I appreciate that you all, like, I, I was like, should I write them? No, no, they'll, they'll do it. They'll come up with something <laughs> really, really, really terrible. Uh, Hammer Crump, thank you so much. I really do appreciate that. Um, so thank you. It was awesome. I really enjoy wondering and uh, I, it's going to be weird not playing it next week, but uh, hopefully we're going to have fun with some Twilight Imperium in this place. Well, let's raid someone, right? Let's raid someone. Yeah. yeah. So let's do, well, it's it's Saturday, so we got to do Boys from the Baltic Star, don't we? So let's that. do that. Think? Boys from the Baltic Star. I love those guys. They're awesome. So yeah. follow the raid. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see y'all later. Have a great rest of your weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.